One, two, three. Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory. I'm here in his office with Dr. Pettit, and how are you doing today, Doc? Caroline, it has been a beautiful day here, and I'm particularly looking forward to this interview. Today, we have Dr. Bob Jones III, and Dr. Bob has uh, a very important event coming up in his life in just a few days. And so we're going to take some time to have him tell us his story and what God has been doing in his life over the last year. And I myself am quite eager to hear about that. So let's go ahead and listen in on that discussion. Well, today we have a very special uh, guest with us today, a special interview. And that's with Dr. Bob Jones III, the chancellor here at Bob Jones University. And it's about his upcoming wedding to Dr. Karen Rowe, who is a longtime English professor here at the university. So, Dr. Bob, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you, Mr. President. I'm uh, pleased to be here and uh, kind of amazed that um, our upcoming wedding should uh, be worthy of a subject of attention. <laughs> well, uh, you know, people are interested in people. That's the world we live in today, and people want to know what's what's happening and how did things come about. So uh, I thought it'd be a good opportunity for you to just to share um, really what the Lord is doing uh, in your life. Uh, people love you. People care about you. And people are interested. So, or as students would say, "What's the T on Doctor Bob?" That's the, that's the question. <laughs> so, let me just uh, begin first of all with some basic questions, and that is, what's happening, and and when, and where. So, I know it's coming up very quickly. Yes, as of today, it's uh, a week and a day away, March seven, in the afternoon. Just a little family wedding. She has no family, uh, no siblings. Her parents are both passed away. So her colleagues, her peers on the faculty and some local friends will be her family and uh, my family. Most of them will be able to be here. So we're having a little little ceremony in the rotunda of what was the art gallery as of until two years ago. And it's a beautiful place, and art galleries are very special to both Karen and me. We, we're on the little museum and gallery board together. And of course, I, when I went in there and we looked it over to, with the thought of a wedding, all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with the thought, you know, my dad would enjoy this if he were here. <laughs> this gallery was the source of his attention. It was his... After the Lord and my mother, uh, it might have been his third love. <laughs> Maybe he the kids got in there the somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But he spent so much time there. I just kind of had to laugh inside and thought, well, what an appropriate pr- place for this wedding. <laughs> well, I know uh, I know it will be very special, and uh, we, we definitely are happy for you and the way God has led. So, um, as we would say, tell us the story. You, this is uh, this is a lot has transpired in your life in the last 
uh, 13 months here. And uh, so uh, we want to hear. Well, thank you. Uh, Just over a year ago, as you say, uh, my wife changed addresses. She took up residence in heaven with the Lord she loved so greatly and tried to serve. And, uh, wow, what can I say? I I guess I'm just a typical sort of widower. Uh, I, I tried to talk to all of them I could find. Tell me about your journey. Tell me what is normal. How do you deal with life without your companion, the love of your life? How do you deal when she's not there? You depended on her for so much. You loved her so greatly. And how can a man possibly stand the thought if he's had a good wedding, uh, excuse me, a good marriage as I have, how can he stand the thought of not being married? 59 years. 59 years. Yeah. Something's just not right when she's gone. So I was very, very lonely. I thank the Lord for my family, my friends, my colleagues. You and Terry have been wonderful friends. So many have. And Yet, you miss the companionship of a loving wife. Uh, Coming home after the day is over, it's just uh, the silence is is deafening. What can I say? And uh, I guess my children noticed that. I, I I thought I had camouflaged it more than I did, evidently. And uh, last August, they were together with me, and they said, Dad, you need to be remarried. We know you're going to remarry. You should remarry. You've never in your life liked being alone. When, when, when mother would go away to speak to a ladies group on a weekend and you happened to be home that weekend, uh, no sooner had you gotten back from the airport than you would call Roxanne, our daughter, and say, get the kids. Let's have pizza. I can't stand to be alone this weekend. So they said, we, we want you to remarry, and we're good with it. Just want you to know. Well, that was a huge oh, that's thing a, for me to hear. You know, when <laughs> oftentimes when a remarriage like this takes place and the loss of a spouse, that the individuals that have the biggest struggle with it are the children. So this is a, a great blessing to you personally. Yes. It, it, it took away a lot of tension from, yes. from my life. Well, um. I mentioned I spoke to all the widowers who would lend me their ear about widowhood. widowerhood. And then Karen and my wife were friends. Um, Karen had a housemate, a member of the faculty here. For 15 years, they roomed together. And maybe just if you don't mind, give us a little bit of a detail about Karen because uh, there'll be folks listening that would not know who she is. So Yes, Karen Rowe. Um, her mother moved here from Alabama to put her in school in the sixth grade Mm -hmm. in the B.J. Elementary at that time. And she stayed all the way through her master's degree here and went away with Mona Dunkel that I just mentioned. And the two of them got their doctorates together at Bowling Green University in Ohio and then came back. She's taught more than 30 years on the faculty. And she, having been through a, the experience of being the caregiver for Mona for five years while Mona had contracted cancer and then passed away, she knew a lot about grief. I mean, and she, I don't know exactly how we first started talking, but I, she's very gifted of God as a communicator 
and uh, is a very intelligent and intuitive person. She, one of the things that first attracted me was her incredible understanding of how you feel before you express yourself. That's a little scary, actually, but, right. but, but that's the way she is, very discerning. You can read your mind a little bit. It's pretty, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it did attract me to her, and, and her answers were so thought-provoking and penetrated so deeply to my soul, and I realized she really understands me. She knows what I'm experiencing. And so we talked more and more, and mostly by phone mm-hmm. for a long time. And then I thought, well, maybe we should try to talk face to face. But the problem was, where do we go? <laughs> what do we do? Yeah, I don't think you can go to many places in Greenville, South Carolina, where somebody doesn't know who you are. There are so many graduates and friends of this school all over this part of the world. This was our problem. And, uh, so we would often, if we wanted to try to have a meal, and even then we were full of tension. Uh, what if somebody sees us? The rumors might get around. We're, you know. He, so what was the furthest you drove to have a meal? <laughs> well, probably about an hour up into North Carolina, places uh, just away from here, down into Georgia, <laughs> oh, wow. just to be together some, having a picnic here and there, a walk together in a state park or something. And so then, then my was, daughter. This was back when? When was this? Oh, this would have been back in the late summer, I guess, when all of this, or fall maybe. My daughter said, she realized my dilemma. She said, Dad, just come on over to our house. You can, <laughs> you can come over here. And she said, now, I never thought I'd be chaperoning my dad, but I'll, I'll take care of this if you'll come over here. So we did some. <laughs> and she and, and that was uh, so that did y'all do that on a number of occasions? For weeks and weeks and weeks, we were looking for venues <laughs> where we could be together in a proper way. And um, yeah, we we we. we Sometimes we would just we would just drive. We we would just drive up to the mountains together and drive by, just talk, just somewhere right. where we could talk. Right. So. Now uh, I, I I know that there would be particularly there would be students that would know that you know did you call her parents for a date and of course you didn't have to do that. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about her dad. I thought it was yeah. very very interesting. Her dad was a Navy guy and when World War II broke out and was stationed in Guam. And Guam, of course, fell immediately to the Japanese. And he was taken captive and spent the entire war in a POW camp near Hiroshima, Japan. That's a really amazing story. And uh, her mother knew about the university and uh, she moved Karen up here. She wanted a good education for her. Karen, by the... God's grace is a very, uh, very bright and uh, savvy lady, and and she she needed something more than the schools where she was could give right. her. So her mother moved her here. So, uh, back to uh, your 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 budding relationship here. Uh, when when in your mind did you think uh, this this could go to marriage? Well, these things just sort of start emerging. Hard to say when the. First time, the first thought came. Those thoughts usually come gently. 
and then you reassess them, and then they keep coming back. You know how that goes. I just, sometime in the summer, I guess, uh, those thoughts began to emerge. And uh, obviously, uh, she she was uh, she was enjoying the conversations and and just the the time together. She certainly seemed to, yes. And uh, so that was uh, uh, an encouragement to my thoughts when I thought, well, she's not resisting these little uh, little things I would try to drop along the way. She didn't seem to run from them. So, so, um, so you, uh, you know, is there a ring here? Did you, or what's, how, did, how does this oh. work? You know, everybody wants to wonder about that one. Well, this is not, <laughs> okay. Well, we talked about a ring you know, sometime in the later fall, and, and she knew one was coming. But I was trying to figure out, okay, what's the time frame here that is proper? Right. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us how soon uh, remarriage should occur or if it should reoccur, occur. But, you know, and most people kind of in their mind, I think, have, well, it ought to be a year anyway. Some people would say you shouldn't even start the subject before a year. Others would say you shouldn't marry before a year. I took the latter position. And uh, so anyway, she knew one was coming. And we also knew that our efforts to be um, covert in our visible dating venues, we had to find a way at some point to just sort of show up in public. So we showed up in public the first time. I think it was uh, December 20th, uh, River Tree Singers Concert of Christmas Music at the Second Press Church here in Greenville. Well, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything until uh, until right about the time you made it public. <laughs> of course, I was out of town at the time. Uh, I would, I would have to say that I, I have heard rumored that there were freshmen who are trying to get into Dr. Rowe's class on the second semester <laughs> because there was a, somehow a rumor going on. And of course, she's taking a sabbatical this semester uh, from teaching. But so y'all, y'all, y'all were in public. And the 20th of December, the first time. And did anybody recognize you together? Oh, it was, it was dreadfully painful for both of us <laughs> because we were waiting on another couple. I did, I'd bought tickets for about, uh, I bought tickets for about 15 people that evening that I thought would enjoy the concert. One of the couples got their calendar missed up. They didn't come. We were waiting and waiting in the lobby for them. The rest of our guests had already, they seated us on the second row right behind the conductor. <laughs> so we had to walk in just before it began, the two of us, and we were paraded right down in front of everybody. And we, we sensed that there were many stairs and as soon as we would look to one side or the other, people would <laughs> glance away so they didn't see us. We didn't see them looking at us. It was kind of funny. Uh, but anyway, we got a, I, got, I didn't get the ring until uh, maybe about a month ago, Okay, actually. Uh, I bought it. My, uh, my daughter actually went and helped me pick it out. I wanted a woman's point of view on Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So anyway... Uh, I'm thinking, now, how am I going to get this to her? The, the, the time between giving her the ring and the actual marriage was getting smaller and smaller. 
and I didn't have much of an envelope there and, and or opportunity to dream up something really romantic and you know unique like people enjoy doing on those occasions. And truthfully, <laughs> I was invi- uh, invited out one evening to the home of some graduates, wonderful, wonderful people, and the people have been so kind to me, feeding me. <laughs> And anyway, I was at a wonderful occasion, and I had to run off in a hurry because there was a viewing of a, of a deceased friend here in a church, and I had to get there before it closed that evening. So I excused myself early from our little gathering, ran and got Karen. We went to the viewing, and then I thought suddenly, wait a minute, we don't have many days to get engaged before I marry. So I said, Karen, let's go, I guess, let's go get something to eat. We'll have some dessert, but I got to run by the house first and get something. So I ran into the house, grabbed this ring, got back in the car with her. And I said, we well, you know what's open. It's almost 930 here. Uh, anything open beside Waffle House? I can't think of anything beside <laughs> Waffle House. That didn't seem to be the best environment. So I said, let's just drive down Main Street. So we drove down Main Street. Nothing was open at that time until we got down near the Westin Hotel. And right on the right, she said, well, there's a place. And sure enough, it was. I turned around and came back, and lo and behold, it was a restaurant called The Nose Dive. Oh, great. We got engaged in The Nose Dive. Now, it it sounds like a joint, but it's really a very nice restaurant. We went in there. There was hardly anybody else there. And so I gave her the ring there that night. It was spontaneous and after a viewing. and <laughs> What a day. It was uh, unexpected for both of us. Well, <laughs> so. uh, it, it, it creates a lot of uh, excitement for sure. Um, so y'all are, y'all are going to be married here uh, coming up very soon. And uh, I'm sure uh, there's a uh, Karen's going to be your wife. And as that's far the plan. as that's the plan, um, is she plan to teach again? She, oh, she loves teaching. Uh, she very much wants to teach. Her health in the last year has not been really good. And an English teacher has more papers to grade than mm-hmm. any other teacher in the university. And it really wore her down. And, uh, oh, I, I can't say enough thanks for the way her, her dean uh, Dr. Wentworth and uh, Bruce Rose, her chair, and, and the whole, Dr. Weir, they understood. In fact, she was asking for a leave starting next fall, and they said, look, we know that your health is not good. Why don't you start it now in January, and if you need to extend it, you can extend it into the fall. So how that happens will have to do with how she feels and what our schedule might happen to be. <laughs> So it, it looks like she'll be able to do some traveling with you, I think. Yes. One of the hard things as a, as a bachelor is traveling alone and trying to minister in churches without your wife where you're always with other couples going to eat, fellowshipping, and you're just kind of a fifth wheel out there, you know. And, yes, I'm very much looking forward to her traveling with me. Well, I know that uh, – and it'll be great because people will uh, um, uh, be excited to talk to you when they go out, as they already are. But I think this would even prove to be uh, more so. Uh, are y'all planning to live here on campus? 
Or is that... I knew that would probably be a coming question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. Okay. Uh, Bottom line, yes. Um, We've had a lot of discussions about that because I want to be sure she's good with that. Sure. And she wants to be sure that I'm going to be good with that. The same house where I've lived for all these prior years. Our plan is to stay there as long as we're involved with the school and uh, qualified, therefore, to be there. But uh, as far as we can see, yes, that's where we're going to be. Good. That's all I know to say at this point. (laughs) Well, I understand that. Now I know I know this is this is a big deal to students. It's not a big deal at so certain points in your life, but there's a little bit of an age difference there between the two of you. And I know that that our students are thinking now. How does that work? But but of course there is a point in life where that doesn't is that's not as big a deal. Yeah. What can I say? Uh, um, I do not think at our age it is that big of a deal. I, and I hope. It's not going to be problematic to I, I mean, I have heard they may be obviously people are talking with each other maybe about that. They're not with me. Uh, I, I and I'm grateful for their discreetness and whatever. But um, um, I think it would be a great deal different if a 40 year old were marrying a 20 year old. Oh, that, that's totally. a different. Uh, absolutely. Okay, but. I'm 80 years old, and God's given me a modicum of health and vigor and and desire to serve him, a great desire to serve him, and the strength and energy. And until he takes that away, I'm assuming he wants me to continue serving him. Absolutely. And, you know, one, one of the—I'll just—let me just put it all out here, because uh, one of the things— that made me not sure I wanted to remarry was the fact that whoever I marry, uh, let's say God gives us, you know, 10 good years together or even five good years before my health fails and things go downhill and she has to become a caregiver again. I said, this is not fair to her. And right. I, you know, we've talked endlessly these things through. And she said to me one day, well, Bob, what if, what if what part of my ministry in life is to be a caregiver? I was five years Mona's caregiver, and I counted it a privilege and a joy. It wasn't a burden in any way. And if if I am called to be that for you, it's a privilege and a joy. I would want to do that. And so the, those words broke down some of my mm-hmm. thoughtful resistance to it. Uh, of course, God could take her before he takes me. You know, who knows these things? But... Uh, I guess one of the reasons uh, we're getting married in March instead of May, perhaps, or some time after school is out, which would be a lot quieter and more out of the public eye, uh, is that, you know, at 80, how long do you have to enjoy a happy marriage? <laughs> so yes. why wait? Absolutely. So everybody I talked to, I tried to get all the advice I could from everybody. And they said, well, what, what are you waiting for? There's nothing in the Bible that says how long you have to wait before you remarry and all these things. I said, well, I think there's certain discreetness, there's certain unspoken proprieties that you need to observe and so forth. So we've tried to do that, but uh, uh, she's um, 
uh, a grown, mature woman and uh, uh, well along in life. And yes, she is younger than I am. Um, I, I I didn't sort of not choose her for that reason. I, I, I it's not something I sat down and thought. Now now who who okay I'm 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 single. Who who should I date? Who who can I date? That never happened. It, this whole thing unfolded before any of those thoughts ever came along the way, and I, um, I would, I, I just have to believe it's something God has put together, yes. and I'm I'm grateful for Him doing well, that. Well, I'll tell you what we are we uh, in per- me personally. I'm just I'm thrilled for you. Uh, you you have always been. Um, a ball of energy, always moving about, always serving, and uh, you you loved your your wife of fifty nine years, and I think the people here at the university not only know that, but it has been it was a wonderful example. And to me, this is God's goodness, yes. uh, where there's oftentimes uh, uh, ashes, He gives beauty, and where there's mourning, He brings joy, and. Uh, the Lord has been good to you, and and we just our hope and prayer for you is that this will be a great blessing for you personally and Karen, and uh, that that God will give you rich full days here going forward in the future, and we will pray for you as a university, and we're just so thankful for you, and thank you for taking the time to share your story. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of folks that listen will be greatly encouraged and comforted and. Uh, they're going to be comforted with the comfort that you've been comforted from God. Thank you, Doctor Pettit. Those are those are comforting words. You have comforted me. Can I just put yes, a sir. little tag? Yes, sir. Beneth and I loved each other greatly, and it is impossible when you lose your wife and you loved her not to continue loving her. One of the big hurdles I've had, I had to get over it. God, God helped me over it. Some friends and their counsel helped me over it. The idea that somehow I'm betraying my previous wife, I'm uh, unthankful to her, or I'm, you know, I, nothing could be farther from the fact. And, and, and Karen understands this, very deeply understands this. You, you can't stop talking about the one you loved. You can't stop loving her. I believe she loves me from heaven. We'll certainly be together again. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if there's some widower out there contemplating these things, <laughs> I would just say to him, be sure that whoever you remarry has sensitivity and understanding of the fact that you will probably from time to time still talk about your previous wife and you will have a picture or two around the house. Mm. It's just normal and natural. It's not that Karen will replace my wife. She could never do that. She would not, she knows better than anybody. She's not replacing my wife. She is, my wife's uh, time here was not cut short. God ordained that our marriage should end. And since he's ordained that man should not be alone, but needs a helper, 
I believe that he's giving me a new wife and a new helper according to his plan. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bob. And we, uh, those are, those are uh, wonderful and I know will be an encouragement to uh, wonderful words and will be a great encouragement to a lot of people. Thank you very much. Thank you. was a wonderful interview from Dr. Bob, and I just want to say thank you uh, to him for his example, and we rejoice with him in his upcoming wedding to Dr. Karen Rowe. Well, Caroline, we, we've got a lot going on on campus right now, and uh, tell, us, tell us about uh, what's happened with College Up Close. Yeah, well, this week we are currently having the record number for having people from college up close, including a really large group from the Dominican Republic, which is really cool. I um, have a lot of them staying in the dorms. It's always very exciting, especially on Freshman Hall, where I'm currently living, uh, when you have any kind of visitors, because it's already a very excited and energetic group of people, and then you add in people that have no sleep deprivation whatsoever, and it, it gets a little loud. <laughs> I, I'm sure it does. We, that's, night, that's students that are coming to uh, visit Bob Jones. And uh, I believe they came from 19 states. And then, of course, the 60 from the Dominican Republic, which is the largest contingency of international students ever to visit Bob Jones University. So we're thankful. We're excited uh, about the um, young people that are coming to BJU and they're interested in the value of a Bob Jones University uh, education. Yeah, and I came to a few um, college up closes when I was in high school, and I think it's just, it really helped me for sure, like, not feel as stressed about coming here, because when you have slept in the dorm, and you've walked to classes, and you've eaten in the dining common, it just makes everything a lot more, okay, I could potentially live here. This isn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. If you're interested in visiting Bob Jones University during a college up close, you can go online to bju.edu, click on admission and aid, and underneath you'll see visit, click that on and then you'll be able to get information for College Up Close. We have three more this semester, one coming up this weekend, March 4th through 7th, and then you can follow at the other weeks. And so hopefully we'd love to see some of you come during our College Up Close. Well, thank you, Caroline, for coming to my office today. Yeah, always good to come in and talk to you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you happen to get your podcast. And don't forget to follow BJU on social media at BJUEDU and Dr. Steve Pettit at BJU President.